You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, Jesus doesn't need a field and seed and rain and a tractor and months of time and a mill and an oven and a baker to have enough bread to feed 5,000 people. We see that in the text. With five loaves, 5,000 men are fed with their families. Jesus doesn't need fleets of fishing boats, fishermen, nets, warehouses, fish markets, and all of these things to feed an enormous crowd with fish. We see this too in the text. With two fish, the people are full and satisfied, and there's enough left over to feed even more. Jesus, with His Father and with the Holy Spirit, created the world, the seas and all the fish in them, the fields and the sun and the sky and everything else, all out of nothing. And He still upholds the universe with the word of His power, sustaining all things, sustaining us. And this is what the text is to teach us. The whole thing is a setup, really. Jesus leads the people away from any of the normal supports of this life, out into the wilderness where there's, there's no water, there's no fields, there's no food court, there's no homes with kitchens and beds, nothing that they will, uh, that they will need. And Jesus then asks Philip, where will we get bread to feed all of these people? And look, this is what the text says. He said this to test him. For he himself, Jesus, knew what he would do. Jesus knew that the people would be okay. Jesus knew that they would be satisfied. He knew that they would not starve. In fact, he knew that he would use just a few loaves and just a few fish to feed them all. But he wants the disciples to learn something here. To learn to trust him. To learn to pray to Jesus, give us this day our daily bread. So, Philip answers. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to just get a little bite. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? You see that because bread almost always comes from the baker, and flour for the bread almost always comes from the miller, and wheat and barley for the bread almost always comes from the farmer, and fish almost always comes from the ocean or the fisherman, we're tempted to think that this is where they always come from. Or this is where they come from ultimately. And not from the hand of God. And while it is true that normally our daily bread comes from the ground, it is also true, it is in fact truer, that all of this, all the needs of this body and life, come ultimately from the hand of God. And if God wants to, He can make it rain bread. You see, the temptation that the devil puts before us is, this is the name of it, materialism. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, last week maybe, I can't remember. There, there are two types of materialism in the world. There's a seventh commandment materialism, or rather we could call it the anti-seventh commandment materialism, and that is a living and a dying for stuff, for things. This kind of materialism is the materialism that shows up on the bumper sticker that says, whoever dies with the most toys wins. You know that one? And when we normally call someone a materialist 
or say that someone is materialistic, this is what we're talking about. All they care about is money and possessions and things and stuff. And this is certainly bad. It's against the seventh commandment. But there is another form of materialism, and that's what I'm talking about. And it doesn't stand opposite of the seventh commandment. It stands opposite of the first article of the creed. The I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. This is the materialism that says that all that there is, is material. And that there is nothing in the universe that's spiritual. There's no creator, says this materialism, only creation. This kind of materialism says that if something isn't, is real, then it must be measurable. You must be able to observe it somehow with some sort of instrument. It's the materialism that says that every cause has an effect. Now, most people, if you ask them, will say that they believe in a creator, that they believe that we came from somewhere, or at least that the universe came from somewhere. But they, and really here I should say we, are materialists in practice, practical materialists. Because we know that our bread came from the field and our fish came from the water. But we forget, and here is the temptation, we forget that it is the hand of God that pushed the wheat up out of the ground. We forget that it was the word of God, be fruitful and multiply, that causes the fish to fill the seas. We know that our heart and our lungs are keeping our bodies going, for now at least, but we forget that it is God's word that keeps these things moving. We know that the world spins around, whizzes around the sun, especially this morning we're thinking about it, having somehow lost the hour of that spinning, <laughs> according to the clock. But we forget that all of these things are held in place by God's Word. They're sustained by God's Word. That God's Word is the reason why all of these things exist. Now the Lord is pleased to use this universe and all of these created things as the middleman for his gifts. Jesus loves to use the field and the farmer and the boat and the fisherman and the baker and the grocer and the delivery man and everything else in the world to deliver to us our daily bread. But these are just the middlemen. And if Jesus wants to cut out the middleman and deliver all that we need directly to us, he can do it. And that's what he teaches in this miracle to teach us this very thing. He cuts out all of these middlemen and feeds this crowd with almost nothing. Five loaves, two fish. Remember, Jesus is saying, this is the point, remember that all of these things come from me. Now, there's a custom that I don't even think we think about, but that is simply beautiful and is a wonderful way that we fight against this temptation to materialism. And it's, and it's this, we pray before we eat. The more I think about this little habit that our Christian families have, the more thankful that I am that the Lord has preserved it among us. The food is on the table, and we see that there is some chicken there and some broccoli, and that it came, the chicken came from the farm, or at least from Costco, right? And there's broccoli, and and that broccoli came from wherever it is that broccoli comes from. <laughs> and we see the refrigerator there. And we see the dirty pots in the kitchen. And if we want to, 
we could see the grocery store. And if we wanted even further, we could go and we could see the farm. We could see the cage that the chicken came from. And we could see the ground from wherever the vegetables grow. All of this is in front of our eyes. And we see it all. And yet with all of this in front of us, we close our eyes and we fold our hands and we thank God who we can't see for providing all of these things that we see, that we can. And this little prayer before we eat is a fighting back the devil's kingdom. It's pushing back the devil's lie. It's resisting the devil's temptation to believe that all you see is all there is. No, devil, me and my house, with bowed head and folded hands, will acknowledge that everything good, every good gift comes from my Father in heaven, the one who created me, the one who still sustains me, the one who takes care of me. So that when we are hungry, we don't just call upon Papa John. (laughs) We call upon our Father in heaven. And he's the one who delivers our daily bread. Do you see this? This is what Jesus is teaching. Now, if we know this, we will know and we will recognize then that Jesus is also, sorry, that the devil is fighting against Jesus by tempting us not to pray. But if we've learned at least this first lesson of the text, the lesson that Jesus is teaching his disciples, then we will continue to pray and ask the Lord for our daily bread. Now, this is the first part of the text. But there is a part two to the text. For the crowds see this miracle that Jesus works, this feeding of the 5,000, and they come to make him, the text says, they come to make him king. They want to crown Jesus with a loaf of bread. (laughs) They want to change the order of the world. They want to have it to where Jesus is the king and they are now no longer farmers and fishermen and bakers and and inn owners and mothers. Rather, they are simply bread eaters. They want to change the whole order of the world so that instead of being soldiers and fathers and officials, that Jesus is the one who overcomes the Romans, conquers the world, and they are sitting back eating bread. But Jesus resists this. He came not to be the king of your stomach. But we have this strange condition. We've talked about this before. How for some reason or another, the Lord has, in his working of things, made it to where the very, the thing that we know that we need the most is food. We have this stomach that will tell you as soon as it's empty. It will let you know. And it will take over. Everything else in the world will be will bow to your need for food. But this is not what Jesus came to do, to be king of this part of you, to be king of your stomach. Jesus came, rather, to be the king of life. Jesus came to meet a need that we have forgotten that we even have. That is, the need for a savior. Because Jesus knows and teaches us that our real lack, our real danger, the real condition, the problem that we have, is not a lack of bread or a lack of fish, a lack of food or clothing, house or home. Our real problem is a lack of righteousness. 
The real desperateness of our situation is a lack of holiness. A lack of life. And this is what Jesus has come to provide for 5,000 plus. To, to, to provide for the world. To provide for you. For Jesus will not be crowned with a loaf of bread. He will be crowned with thorns. So that he can feed you. So that he can satisfy you with righteousness. With the forgiveness of all of your sins. That he can give you what you need most. Which is eternal life. So not only are we taught to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. But we are taught to pray by Jesus Forgive us our trespasses. And this he does, because he loves you. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.